This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. But Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave. Uh, hope uh, you're all doing well today. Uh, we are in the Mellon Law Studio with Mellon Law with 50 years of experience is the only official law firm partner of Florida Gators. They won't back down. And they also full service uh, law firm. If you have traffic accidents, questions, uh, call Mellon Law. Jeffrey Mellon has been around a long time in this community, knows a lot of people and uh, is a very important part of our community, contributes mightily to all aspects of this community. And I, I really am proud to be associated with him. Crime prevention, uh, longtime friends, uh, we are protected here in the uh, Warthog Manly Command Center 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, John Pastore and Randy Elrad, cpss.net. And that's the nice thing about uh, crime prevention security, it is local. Uh, you do not have to have somebody answer your phone a long way off. Um, and uh, this is, this outfit, you can actually talk to people and uh, have a communication with them. I want to thank you all for checking on this morning because I've got a very interesting story. And I'm going to let you uh, hopefully hang with me as I unfold it. If you're local here, it's uh, in, in, uh, interesting to you. And if you also are concerned with the general topic of voter B, uh, then you'll be very interested in it. It's, um, it's something that we've been involved in at the Ward Scott Files, as you know, from the very beginning. We are blessed with a great research team, many of whom you all are members of this research team because you listen to the show and you communicate with me and uh, you send me articles, tips, etc. And that's what makes this a tr true community forum. It's not necessarily a forum about the left nor the right. It's a forum about the truth and being informed. So uh, we try to do the best we can with that. Uh, we try to document everything we do. And uh, if I opine, I tell you it's my opinion. And uh, I try to make sure you uh, distinguish that from quote unquote fact and opinion. A fact is that which is um, more than two disinterested people uh, who did not know each other would testify the same uh, two. So if there were, were an accident and the car was seen by one witness as a blue car and um, another witness who didn't know that first witness also saw the blue car and then a third witness who didn't know either of the previous two witnesses also saw it as a blue car, then the fact is it's a blue car. Now, statistically, all, be three, all three be wrong, yes, but probability, no. So that's generally the way observation which is interpreted as a fact works. Um, so that's, that's really something that I try to source. If I give you information that uh, you may want to think about, or it's in today's lesson plan, if you will, since I conduct this as a classroom and I'm the professor, which is my only role I've ever been, 
Uh, then um, and, and that and that is uh, hyphen artist. Well, uh, and there's more art to this, uh, doing what I'm doing than there is science. Um, there's an art to telling the stories and telling the narratives that engage you out there in Listerland. So there's been a long story going on here for quite a while locally about um, basically whether or not people uh, voted who shouldn't have. And we have calculated this and documented this and reported this. And we uh, inst instantly discovered that it was not a, an item that uh, local people in the uh, purview of looking after these things necessarily wanted to be bothered with. After all, this is not a priority crime. Uh, you know, it's not like getting your mother getting mugged downtown on the way to the restaurant or anything like that. This is much more insidious and subtle. And in many cases, artfully and strategically and scientifically done in such a way that it's almost impossible to call it what it is. But in some cases, it's been rather obvious. And locally, of course, you know the stories of the people who uh, supervised their election through TJP Shea. I went to the local Lachua County Jail and registered to vote, all of whom were convicted felons, none of whom uh, had paid the restitution. And of course, the outreach director Pichet went after acknowledging that going there and signing them up was not the thing to do, uh, even went so far as he took down some misleading information from a website. All of this is documented. We have this uh, in, in backup paperwork and all. So it's not my opinion. It's my observation based upon a fact which a third disinterested party could look at and reach the same conclusion, if, of course, they were reasonable. So here we are. We've been following the story, and the story got expanded uh, when we discovered there were also a sex offenders voting. So far, we've unearthed, without much trouble, about 80 around the state. And those supervisors of elections in those districts have referred them for prosecution. And it's been the supervisors of elections. It's either been the supervisor elections or maybe in some cases, grand juries. So uh, we, we have seen other areas of this state take up the, the sexual uh, predator issue right away because uh, there is no way, shape or form that those people can ever uh, pay restitution since they are permanently, if you will, given the scarlet letter, uh, frequently on ankle bracelets, must register where their location is, can't move without anybody. Uh, any authorities knowing about it. Uh, they're considered to be people who actually just have to be um, watched 24-7, 365. And yet, obviously, they haven't been watched uh, on the voting rolls because they've been voting. And we have several here uh, that we pointed out voted. Now, remember, these are different and distinct from the ones in the jail. Uh, these are ones which are slam dunks, as we say, uh, there's no question about what they did, what they shouldn't have done. And there's no question but what um, they weren't caught doing it. And therefore, by the way, their vote was cast and we know that and was counted. So we, at the, at the never, nevertheless, time has dragged on and we've been wanting to know what's the status of these sex offenders and what is going to be done with them. And basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that it appears to and uh, to us at Ward Scott Files that uh, we've been getting the runaround from the state attorney's office. Now, the state attorney, as, I, as I've told you, is a curious fellow. Uh, he was once my student, very nice gentleman, uh, comes from a very good family and all the above. 
But in terms of being a state attorney, um, seems to have a kind of issue with uh, whom to appease and whom to appeal to. And maybe there's going to be a lesson learned by my young friend that you can't be all things to everybody or you end up being nothing to anybody. And you got to stand for something. Now, the irony is that Brian Kramer is a Republican. And you would think that, quote unquote, a Republican would be, uh, you know, pretty tough on crime, wouldn't be like this super, uh, this, this attorney in uh, San Francisco, which whom yesterday just got a recall vote, who is a screaming liberal attorney who was raised by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn and that crowd of the weathermen who I'm amazed still are allowed to have a normal life after what they pulled. And um, this, this man, young man, um, whose parents drove the getaway car and a bank robbery and all this business, um, uh, you know, finally got a recall vote in, of all places, San Francisco, because he was very, very permissive on, you know, calling the bad guy what he was and dealing with the bad guys so much so that good guys have really been uh, uh, dislocated, displaced from their own town. And San Francisco, if you've ever been to it, is pretty wide open, very artsy. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's probably okay. But when you mix in the crime riddled and, uh, you know, with the artsy, then you've got a real problem. And so uh, that's what's happened there. So We've, we've got a state attorney who has never run opposed for the office. He hung around down there and worked under Bill Cervone, who was a Republican, uh, who finally retired. And Brian Kramer matriculated to the role, if you will, of state attorney and never had an opponent. Now, now that's going to probably be different this next time around because there's enough smoke. And where there's smoke, there is fire. And this business of trying to be everything to everybody is probably going to be challenged uh, because there are some people who are increasingly frustrated with this be all to everything, therefore be nothing to anything uh, kind of attitude that appears to be one that is uh, perpetrated by my good good friend, Brian Kramer. And, and I wanna preface all these remarks with, I like Kim Barton. I've known Kim Barton for a long time. She's always been friendly to me and nice to me. And I've always liked her. Um, I, I like Brian, I, I know his family. Um, but this is a different world. Uh, you know, you're elected by the public to go out and safeguard the community and make sure that the institutions that you are in charge of are not compromised. And we've been pretty hard on Kim Barton. Um, not that we invented the hardship, but that we just found there were things that just didn't seem uh, to be the right thing to be doing. And we started looking into it. And lo and behold, things didn't quite add up. And we've been very, very critical of Kim Barton. And bless her heart, um, she stayed right in there. Hopefully she doesn't take this personally between me and her. Uh, but by golly, this time, what I'm about to report this morning, I think is Kim Barton at her best. Um, Kim Barton has really had enough. And when I read through this chain of emails for you that we have had to, if you will, pry out of the cold, dead hands of the state attorney's office, uh, so to speak, uh, I think you'll follow what I'm, I'm talking about. So Jim Murphy and those of you who are checking on, who are interested in this show and what we do, uh, this will be maybe interesting to you because I think as you hear, as I read through these emails, that there's uh, Houston, we have a problem. And, and, and the problem is yet to be, uh, we think we know where the problem is, 
uh, here at Ward Scott Files, but I'm going to let you all be um, be kind of the judges of that. And uh, you listen to the information as I disclose it. There's nobody else covering this story, by the way, in this depth. Um, the Gainesville Sunset knows about it, uh, but don't hold your breath for them to write anything about it. There's a, um, a labyrinth of editors that even a, a reporter who might want to write about it would have to ply his way through. There's all sorts of liberal uh, mindset in the Gainesville Sunset. It's, um, have, you know, people who excuse that liberal mindset say, well, they got to be that way in a liberal community, uh, which, of course, sacrifices uh, a kind of a, a 360 degree view of events. So it's not very difficult to determine the editorial slant of the Gainesville Sunset. Uh, you can see it in its editorials. You can see it in its writers. Uh, about the only uh, section of that paper that seems to hold up, although it's a day late, is the sports section. And as I said yesterday, David Whitley wrote a very nice uh, column uh, that was interesting, well-written about the ridiculous amounts of money that coaches make. So uh, there are some guys uh, in the sports writing world who probably are the best examples of the Gainesville Sunset. So, um, uh, yeah, my good buddy CJ Jack Phillips knows it as a mullet rapper. Um, so I'm going to begin by saying to you uh, that we have had a difficult time uh, finding out what type of action the state attorney's office here is going to take with the sex offenders, the sexual predators who voted. Now, we know what's happened in the other counties around the state. They've taken action. This county has not taken action. So we began to wonder why in the world is this county, Alachua County, which is part of the 8th Judicial Circuit, which is what Kramer is in charge of. Kramer is in charge of more than just Alachua County, but the supervisor of elections is in charge of Alachua County. So keep that in mind as we progress through this. So we began to wonder what, if anything, was being done about uh, uh, this uh, sexual predator uh, uh, voting. Uh, and we have emails dating back into the month of May where we've been asking these questions um, and, 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 and getting kind of, uh, um, you know, vague answers. Uh, uh, here, is, here is an email uh, to... Uh, uh, I'm just going to read back through time here a little bit with you to the state attorney. Um, has anybody uh, from the supervisor of elections uh, referred matters to you? And um, uh, the, the answer on May 24th from Kramer was um, um, Derry Lloyd, who is the chief investigator uh, for Kramer. Uh, in this email from Kramer, to us uh, says uh, mentioned to me that the super Derry mentioned to me this is on May 24th that the supervisor's office called to find out who to refer such matters to. Now keep that in mind. According to the testimony of Kramer in this email, uh, the supervisor of elections did not know who to refer of these sexual predator matters to. According to an email from. Kramer to us, all right? Now, uh, Kramer says that he told, uh, 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 um, uh, he, he told the person who called that the referral should go to the agency with jurisdiction over the venue of the alleged offense for investigation. 
venue can be in a variety of places for many criminal offenses. Um, that is absolutely in contradiction to the statute. Now, here's a state attorney that should know what he's talking about. Here's the statute, 104.42. Okay, Jim Murphy, you guys out there, you want to make note of this. 104.42, fraudulent registration and illegal voting investigation. The supervisor of elections, are you ready? Is authorized to investigate fraudulent registrations and illegal voting and to report his or her findings. Are you ready for this? To the local state attorney and the Florida Elections Commission. Now, that is curious because you'll see in an email in a moment that the supervisor of elections was aware of that statute all along, all along, and that Kramer is claiming uh, that the supervisor did not know what to do with these violations. Okay, you remember this now. This is uh, Kramer on the 25th. Um, so on the 25th, Kramer writes to us, the supervisor has not sent any request for prosecution investigation to the state attorney's office. The staff inquired of Derry, one Derry Lloyd, regarding the proper procedure to send the matter on to law enforcement for investigation. Now, probably that was the mistake, uh, the staff reaching out to Derry Lloyd. Derry Lloyd is not elected. Derry Lloyd, we've had curious reservations about all along. He's not the state attorney. And of course, the staff, we assume that Kramer's talking here about uh, uh, Martin's staff. So staff to staff is not getting it here. So we began to watch this and we follow up with an email that says, uh, so who is handling the referral? The state attorney or uh, uh, the uh, supervisor of elections? All right. This email exchange is going back and forth. Uh, who's handling it? Well, we get a reply from Kramer. Well, uh, the supervisor doesn't know who to handle it. So. Uh, we've, uh, you know, and you can hear that you can hear the language and it's vague and it's not specific here. And this is all going back and forth between the 23rd and the 25th. Um, because on the 24th, uh, uh, Kramer writes, uh, Derry mentioned to me that mentioned, 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 mentioned. And this is a pretty serious matter just to be mentioning. Derry Lloyd mentioned, Derry, Derry, no Lloyd, mentioned to me that the supervisor's office called to find out who to refer such matters to. I taught a young Brian English, it should be whom to refer such matters to. And Kramer says, I told him that the referral should go to the agency with jurisdiction over the venue of the alleged offense for investigation. That's not according to the super the, to the statute. You understand this. You understand this. Kramer's comments are not in sync with the statute. Okay, clearly. I mean, you don't have to. All you do is put them side by side. They don't match up. Now you can begin to wonder why. Does Kramer is he inept? Does he not know the statute, 
Or does he not want to handle this? Or is he trying to appease everybody? What's the deal here? It's very simple. It's very clear. The statute is very clear. It's not about mentioning. It's about doing the law. It's about enforcing the law. So then Kramer goes on to say, when you presented the other matters, I referred them to the sheriff because he has jurisdiction over the jail. Well, I know that the sheriff referred him to FDLE, and that's how FDLE got involved, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And if you're wondering why DeSantis has just budgeted $3.5 million to an elections integrity division, you're beginning to find out. You're beginning to find out, are you not? Now, this is curious. This is very curious about who, who you telling me you don't know the statute. You don't know the law or you're telling me you don't want to enforce the law or you or are you telling me you want to pass the buck of the law. So we go back and we uh, email to uh, Kim Barton and we say there appears to be some miscommunication between uh, the state attorney's office and the supervisor of elections office. OK. And we want you to do, you, you know, we want you to, by the way, class, we want you to know that uh, the we, we informed, we informed Brian Kramer, that's a supervisor, the state, the state attorneys in Duval, Lake, Sumter, Marion, and Gadsden counties have similar sexual predator cases, which we found. And they either, they did one of two things, my friends. Those state attorneys in those counties either filed charges themselves or presented them to a grand jury. Or in the cases of, of you know, some to the FDLE. But, and the only reason is that in, in, in the Eighth Judicial Circuit, and in these circuits, the reason these state attorneys are in charge because they encompass more than one county. Now, you have sexual predators voting in more than one county in the eight judicial circuit. Supervisor elections only in charge of keeping track of the ones in Alachua County. So the question becomes to Kramer, uh, is there any plan of action for Alachua County? And you heard the replies. Well, uh, we told them to you know, uh, do this and that with them, send them to the place that has a jurisdiction. You understand that the city of Alachua has a police department. If that were the case, the city of Alachua would have to investigate the voter beep by the sexual predators and the city of Gainesville would and the, 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 the uh, whoever else has a police force would. I mean, come on. The state attorney is the clearinghouse for this. Now, this heated up so much that we finally get this email. I'm going to read the entire email to you. All right. This heated up so much. And we kept the pressure on so much that this is the email. I may run over the break and that's OK, because I want to go through this very methodically with you. On June 7th, Tuesday, that's yesterday. At 3.53.56 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, we get a, an email from the Supervisor of Elections, Kim Barton, whom we have been tough on. 
But when you hear this email, I'm going to tell you, I think Kim Barton is doing the right thing. And the spotlight now shifts back to Brian Kramer. And after you hear this email, I think you'll understand why. We wrote Kim Barton and said there appears to be a miscommunication between the state attorney's office and the supervisor of elections office because the state attorney says he hasn't gotten anything from your office, Kim Barton, about these sexual predators. Okay? We got the email on that. He says it. This is passed on to Barton, who replies and says to our investigator, Mark, Mr. Glazer, there is no, and this is very strong, and if you listen to language and you know you can do what the students always ask, how you read between the lines, I think you can read between the lines here as I read this, the frustration Barton is having with Kramer, okay? I'm going to read it for you word by word. I don't usually like to read aloud to people, but this is interesting enough that I think you should be paying attention. Mr. Glazer, there is no miscommunication here. It has been a consistent, acceptable practice of my office and previous supervisors of elections, and Kim Barton would know because she's been around there for several of them, to refer potential voter, I'm going to have to use beep here because of these crazy little algorithms that are listening to us, to refer potential voter beep and illegal voting to the state attorney's office per Florida statute 104.42 parentheses one, which I just read to you, my friends, what that says. And you know what it says. Kramer knows what it says. And there is no mistake about what that statute says. And she says that she's following the statute. And uh, we know what the statute says, and you do too, because I read it. Okay. The supervisor, well, which states, and she says, the supervisor of elections is authorized to investigate fraudulent registrations and illegal voting and to report his or her binding to the local state attorney. There's no question where the chain of custody is in this issue. There is no question. The statute dictates it. You follow the statute. Then Kim Barton writes on Friday, May 20th, 2022, I contacted via phone investigator Derry Lloyd with the state attorney's office. I informed him that I have information I need to turn over to the state attorney's office of voters that we believe illegally voted in the 2020 general election who are sexual offenders. Under Amendment 4, these voters were not eligible to vote. I printed all the documentation and or records to turn over to investigator Lloyd to aid in the state attorney's investigation. 
Mr. Lloyd informed me that he would stop by my office sometime on Monday, May 23rd, to pick up the documentation. I informed him that I would be leaving for a conference on Saturday, but the information will be left for him with my senior elections clerk. At no time did I ask Investigator Lloyd any questions as to who to refer such matters to. Hello. I knew that I would follow the same practice as in the past, forwarding my findings to the state attorney's office. Hello. Hello. June 7th email. Okay. Back. Uh, 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 you know, from Kramer is because the proper procedure would be for the supervisor of elections to forward any allegation of a crime to the law enforcement agency with jurisdiction. Wrong, wrong, dead wrong. And then he says, I'm reading it again to you. They have not forwarded any request for prosecution or investigation to our office. Doing so would result in our forwarding request onto law enforcement. He is law enforcement. He is law enforcement. I'm going to take a moment for you to investigate. You, you, you see it. You see it. Do you not? Houston, we have a problem. Now, I'll continue this email and we'll take a break and I'll come back and I'll. You know, I might even open the phone lines up if you want to ask a question about it. Per my senior clerk, okay, the same email, Investigator Lloyd did come by the office on Monday, May 23rd. Now that's May 23rd. On June 7th, Kramer says he hadn't got anything. He reviewed the paperwork, but did not take the paperwork with him. That's a very curious moment, my friends. A very curious moment. Instead, he separated the paperwork into two different stacks. One stack of those voters living in the city limits of Gainesville and the other of the voters residing in the county. Absolutely done in disregard to the language of the statute. And if I'm wrong, I'm flying, and I don't even have a co-pilot's license. But I'll stand down if I'm wrong. But you heard the statute. And you hear the email from the supervisor. She then writes, she told me, this is her senior clerk, that investigator Lloyd made two phone calls on his cell phone while at my office, one to someone at GPD and another to someone at the sheriff's office. He told my senior clerk, that someone from GPD and ACSO would be by to pick up the documentation to handle the investigations. Well, why should they? They'd be violating the statute. So why, pray tell, you are smart students or you wouldn't be coming to class every day? Why, pray tell, 
will there be this double talk? If not, to do what? You can fill in the blank. The statute is clear. Barton knows the statute. The action of Lloyd is not in keeping with the statute. The response of Kramer is not apparently in keeping with the statute. Furthermore, Kim Barton writes in this email, it's a lengthy one. You can tell that she's put out with this. While on a break for lunch at conference, I contacted investigator Lloyd to find out why he didn't take the paperwork with him. So at that point, Barton obviously knew the statute. And he told me that he had spoken with the state attorney and that he advised him to have the investigating agency with jurisdiction collect the information for follow-up. Absolutely not in the statute. Then Barton writes, when I returned from conference late afternoon on Thursday, May 27, 2022, my senior clerk notified me that no one had picked up the paperwork and that she put it all back on my desk. To further prevent delays in this matter, I have made the decision to mail the information and documentation via, get this now, certified return receipt, which we have a copy of, which included a cover letter to state attorney Brian Kramer. This information is attached. So she sent it to us. I have completed my obligation in this matter per 104.421. And any questions you may have should be addressed with the state attorney's office. It is up to the state attorney, Brian Kramer, as to how he will handle this matter moving forward. He may decide, he may decide to forward the information to other investigative agencies locally. And if so, that will be his decision. It is not my office's responsibility to follow up with him once I have reported my findings to his office. You tell me what your impressions are of this. Kim Barton made it very clear, and we've been hard on her, but by golly, I'm not hard on her now. And this is instant. She's doing her job. She knows the statute. If indeed Kramer said, oh, chunk it over to the sheriff. Chunk it over to GPD. Chunk it over wherever else. You tell me why none of the other state attorneys in this state did that. None of the other state attorneys in this state who have similar issues with sexual 
predators voting did that. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to have Stone production open up the phone line. And I'm curious if anybody gives a check in with me on this. But, you know, we have been the one pushing this. We've been the one taking the shots from YouTube and Facebook when we go against the narrative and all that crap. All I can do is do what we do, investigate thoroughly, share it with you when it's publicly okay to do that. And this is all public record. And remember, these people are voted into office. They can be voted out of office. So take a break here on the Ward Scott Files. We'll be back in a minute. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Stop Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Command Center. And uh, we've got our phone line open in case you want to uh, have a live talk about this. The phone line is 352-389-3997. And to summarize here, what I think we are seeing, and you may correct me if I'm wrong, of course, this is all open to you, um, is um, um, the statute clearly says take it to the state attorney. And Barton is obviously surprised that uh, that didn't happen. Uh, in fact, can you imagine the shock she saw when she got back and the paperwork was still on her desk? because she's got to be thinking, oh my golly, here comes the word Scott files again. Um, I did the right thing. I, I tried, I tried to follow the statute and I tried to send it 
to the state attorney and the state attorney wouldn't take it. It's still on my desk. So she was obviously surprised that it didn't happen. And I would go so far as to say she's upset about it. But she, Kim has to understand that I'm a fair person. When you need criticism, I criticize. And when you need praise, you get praise. Same for me. You can criticize me. You can praise me. That's okay. I need that. It makes us all stronger. It makes us better. So I want to praise Kim. Kim, Kim has done what the statute says for her to do. And she did it in a timely manner. And the reason this has been uh, titled today, The Beat Goes On, this is dragging on and on and on. And, you know, we've got elections coming up, important elections. So uh, we asked the question, is Kramer doing this to appease the left? We don't have, you know, lots of people would conjecture that. Um, is he just weather vane Kramer? You know, we had weather vane Lee who wanted to be all things to all people and kind of managed successfully to do that. He remained in the in sheep's clothing at the county commission. He was a Republican, but he said he was a Democrat and he kind of skated along and got reelected, but he never got anything done. You know, nothing. The only thing he ever got done was moving the fairgrounds, which he couldn't have done without me, for which I got no credit. That's okay. I mean, that's, you know, give him the credit, but that's the only thing he really ever got done. Um, the problem is with this kind of stuff, this hurts the community. We've been covering the theme of undermining the institutions in this country and how dangerous that is to undermine the Supreme Court, to undermine the FBI, to undermine the uh, CIA, um, to see the Looney Tune things come out of the Oval Office. You know, all these things that have, as I shared with you yesterday in the poll, indicate that the country is very pessimistic about itself. It, it, you know, I talked to a gentleman yesterday while I was in the gym pumping the manly iron who said in very, very dire, dire pessimism. And this is a tough dude. He's not one given to, um, you know, this sort of discussion. But he says, hey, listen, if we don't turn a corner in the fall, I told the wife we got to get out of here. I don't know where we'll go, maybe Costa Rica, but we're getting out of here. Oh, you say you say it can't happen here. You ask the people in Venezuela. Luis Diaz came from Venezuela. I asked his father when his father's lied, how did you know when to get out? You know, how did you know when the whole thing was going to hell in a handbasket? Um, and, you know, there are people now who are beginning to feel the same way here. And that's why we're paying close attention to the minutiae and the detail here that really drill, we drill down deeper than most of the uh, agencies of, 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 in the news world do. Um, so we're asking some questions. It's clear that Kim Barton, from what I've shared with you, made two attempts, um, May 21st and May 31st, uh, to get this information over to, to uh, 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 the state attorney. And um, on June 7th, he says he's got no request from the supervisor. So, um, uh, you know, none of this really adds up. And um, it's out there still unresolved. So. Uh, we hope that this show gets shared on your network, that other people learn about this, um, and that you you know you have an email uh, list. You can share it with them, and you can uh, um, you know have a conversation with us because this is your community. I mean, it is is your uh, election integrity or whatever you want to call it here that we're dealing with. Now, somebody 
ask about Soros. Um, so, you know, Soros is obviously one of the guys uh, behind some, some of these liberal um, um, super, uh, state, uh, super, uh, state attorneys. And, uh, uh, and, and this is the case. We know it. But even more dramatic here, look, this, this last election was the influence of Zuckerbucks. Zuckerbucks is really, I think, what led to the, to the uh, uh, excessive outreach in the jail. There was money to do it. How are you going to spend it? It was a ridiculous amount of money, private money, $700,000, dumped into this supervisor elections office as a gift with no strings attached. And, you know, hopefully the uh, elections reforms will eliminate that. Um, it, it, it befuddles me why there should be private money influencing public elections. And um, that clearly is something that caught the Republicans by off guard. I mean, they didn't have a Zuckerberg out there pumping all this money into these very critical key. See, one of the things you do with, with uh, political research when you're running a campaign is you very astutely figure out where to spend your money. Uh, there are places you don't, you know, Zuckerberg, I think he sent it to Marion County and they sent it back. Uh, they, they say, if, I'm, if memory serves me right, uh, we don't want the money, uh, we don't need the money, and we don't particularly care for you. So what you do when you go get uh, a data experts or you go get people who are behind the scenes uh, telling you how to best spend your money in campaigns is they tell you where your money will be effective and where you might, you'll be wasting it. Uh, there are certain people that you just won't change your mind at all for any reason. You don't spend any money there. Uh, there are certain people that you don't need to change your mind because they're with you already. You don't spend any money there. So you try to target the places where you think there'll be a difference made and, uh, and or you can expand the difference with the influence. And Zuckerberg obviously realized that uh, spent money here in Alachua County would enhance uh, a Democrat uh, uh, vote. And uh, it was so much money that uh, Kim Barton, at the end of it all, still had $200,000 left lying around. She couldn't figure out how to spend. So if you go look at where Zuckerberg spent this money, they're in very critical places. And anybody running any kind of political campaign now should be astute enough to know that. Um, you, you don't waste money on people whose mind you won't change. And the, 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 the kind of interesting kicker in all this right now coming up are the independents. In some states, the independents are about as big a group as either the Democrat or Republican. And we just covered this yesterday that uh, uh, we have a local person who's a Democrat, who's a black, who's a well-known uh, person in the community, Horace Moore, uh, who is supporting um, a, a no-party affiliate candidate for the uh, Gainesville City Commission and has been dressed down and threatened by the party bosses in the Democrat Party that he will be kicked out of the Democratic Executive Committee for violating the loyalty oath. Now, one thing I failed to mention yesterday is you have to remember that the city of Gainesville elections, are you ready for this, are nonpartisan. The people got fed up with this partisanship at one, back once upon a time and said, our parties, our, our, our city elections will be nonpartisan. Good luck. Good luck. Because the 
Democrat Party and the Gainesville sunset will immediately turn it into a partisan election. And there's no better example of that than the pressure that Horace Moore is getting from the Democrat Party and Mama Chestnut in that crowd for supporting Ed Belarsky, who was a no-party affiliate. That's why it is so difficult, even in a nonpartisan race, for a nonpartisan candidate to get elected. He's got no party bosses to pump money in to his campaign. Because these party bosses are like union. It's basically, basically the parties are like unions. If you think of the Democrat Party as a union, you think of the Republican Party as a union, the Republican Party union in this county is very weak because of the university where all the liberals hang out. The Republican Party union in Marion County is very strong. It's a flip of this county. The, the Democrat Party here, the union bosses run this town. They run the county commission races. They run the city races. When we were, when I was involved with Alachua, city of Alachua quite heavily as the chair of the economic development committee, on the comprehensive plan revision and instrumental in bringing what is now known as the Perry Center to the, to the town, um, we were constantly being assaulted by Mike Byron and the liberal wing of the Democrat Party. The city of Alachua is not Mike Byerly's district. Mike Byerly's district is Archer. He could have given a day, he couldn't have given a damn about Archer. There was nothing going on in Archer. He didn't care. In fact, he tried to keep things from happening in Archer. He did not want Archer Road to look like Newberry Road. He hated Newberry Road out to Jonesville. He hated it. In his mind, it created sprawl. But it was already, the horse was out of the stall and he couldn't stop it because you had the water mains and all that would handle the growth. Now, when they got ready to give more water to Waldo, they limited the diameter of the water mains to stop growth. This is the way you run it. This is the way the cheese is made, okay? So Barley, it was not his district. He didn't. Districts are fiction. That there is a, such a thing as a district in Lodgeville County that a county commissioner represents is fiction. If there had been a single member district in those days, that representative from a city of Lodgeville and all that area, that district group, would have been the person that the people in Alachua would have gone to have discussions with about growth in Alachua, not Byerly and all the other liberals on the commission. But people are so confused and so uneducated about their own political models that uh, they don't have a clue about how to act and behave. 
Now, if it were not for the Ward Scott files, you would not be informed about the, the curious behavior of the state attorney's office here. The guy goes and invents something called the Super 8. I, don't, I keep thinking of hotels when I think of it. Something where a felon is supposed to call a state. I get this now. You take a look at the rap sheets on the guys that are coming out of the jug to come back to Olachua jail who voted illegally. Take a look at their rap sheets. Are you telling me, are you telling me, Brian Kramer, that these guys are going to call the state attorney's office and ask, is it okay if I vote? Is that what you're telling me, Mr. State Attorney? You have got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't match reality. So is this a, a, a manifestation of Zoros? Is this a manifestation of uh, the woke generation? I just think it's a guy trying to be all things to all people and therefore being nothing to anybody. Anybody want to give a call? I'm sitting around and drinking coffee. Ah, Mr. Wright, I hope you see that. It's always the case, right? Mr. Wright. You know, I'm not getting any calls, so I've got to do a couple things here with you. Uh, you, you know, of course, that we have a, a great sponsor here for the show, Shoot GTR, which is the Gainesville Target Range. If you want to, if you want to pick up how to how to handle a weapon, get a permit, all that business, you know, support our sponsor. Uh, Bennett Latimer, good friend, runs and shoot again uh, the Gainesville Target Range. It's an incredibly well-run operation, very safe to shoot there. Um, I go there um, because I think it's a safe place to practice. So uh, there's a lot of misinformation going on right now about guns. You know, you, I think you probably know that. Let me check my time, make sure I can cover this story. I may have to postpone it. Uh, now we've got enough time. I think it's no secret that I'm a, a big fan of, um, of Jason Riley. Um, and his article today, uh, he talks about the significant number of law-abiding Black Americans who are legally buying guns. You don't hear this story, but if you go to a gun shop and you sit around uh, waiting for your background check to go through, you will see a lot of black folk and they're buying guns with you and they're all buying them legally. And why are they buying them? Well, Jason Riley says that um, the uh, uh, big story is that gun sales have surged in recent years, but what is not covered is how much it, they've surged with law-abiding blacks. Um, retailers uh, in an online, according to Jason Riley, retailers in an online survey conducted by the National Shooting Sports Foundation reported that um, they sold 58% more guns to black customers <coughs> in the first half of 2020 than they did a year earlier. 
And that is the highest increase for any ethnic group. Um, and the reason why more black customers are buying guns is for personal safety. That is the top of the list they give for why they buy guns. In a 2021 Gallup survey, 88% of the black respondents said they own a gun for protection against crime, which by the way, is up from 67% in 2005. And 67% uh, in 2005 said they owned a gun for protection against crime in 2021. 88% said they do. Um, it's because violent crime is rising in uh, more in the major cities than they've ever seen before because of liberal policymakers, according to Riley, treating criminals like victims and police officers like criminals. There you have it in a nutshell. There you have it in a nutshell. And Jason Riley can say it, okay? Anti-gun police units have been tasked with taking illegal weapons off the street. Those have been disbanded. Uh, felonies have been downgraded to misdemeanors. Misdemeanors go unpunished. Uh, Low-income minorities are feeling the brunt of these so-called reforms because they become the most likely crime target. Um, it is a story that is totally misrepresented by the do-gooders in, uh, in, in the DC and will continue to be misrepresented because it doesn't follow the popular narrative um, um, that is politically charged right now. And the white liberals think they're appeasing uh, the black folk by, um, because all this stuff is racially driven. Absolutely wrong. We reported yesterday how there is a correlation, and we know the correlation is not causation, but there is a correlation between uh, these young kids who are being uh, going crazy with guns and their uh, saturation with drugs. Um, they are legally, they're living in states that marijuana, which is 30 times stronger than it was in the 60s, is legal. And... Uh, Perhaps there's something here to be looked at, but you don't hear any discussion about it. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Word Scott Files. Uh, we uh, are breaking this story for you today and uh, appreciate you checking in with us. Warthog Command Center out.